A brief note about our audio today. Due to some connectivity issues, we used a backup mic for Avital at the beginning of the conversation, but we were able to switch to our better mic for the end, so please bear with us. Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. I'm the executive vice president at Hadar, and I am here in New York City. And once again, we are calling to Rabbi Avital Hochstein, who is president for Hadar in Israel and is joining us from Jerusalem. It was such a good conversation and so good to hear from you last time that we wanted to to check in again a week later and and see how you're doing. So thank you again for for making the time and the space mentally and technically to be here and have this conversation. Thank you for having me. I thought we would start just by asking, what is life like right now? Uh, what's, what are you facing? Maybe what's changed in the last week um, or anything that you feel you want to share to give us a little window into, into life this week in Israel? When I was thinking that you might ask me how I am, I said to myself, I'll just describe the week. But just before we got on, um, I got a call, actually that a very close relative of one of our alumni uh, was killed um, yesterday in Gaza. And I, um, I feel bad that I haven't spoken to him in the last month. He's a person I love this alumni of ours, and um, um, and I realized that no matter how many people I'm reaching out to, there's so many people who are directly affected by what's going on, um, and I feel like I'm not able to support as much as I would want. So you wake up in the morning, um, reach over to your phone, and um, and there's the fear of, of the name one will encounter. Sunday, I had over a family whose father's been on reserve duty since Shabbat now, almost four weeks ago, um, with sweet four little boys. And Monday morning, I woke up and there was a message from one school of my kids um, that one of the teachers was killed and a message from a different school that the son-in-law of the principal was killed. The same person. Jerusalem is small, mm-hmm. so it affected it. It affected at least our community of the liberal religious in Jerusalem. They're soldiers. Um, the people who have died. They're on reserve duty. He has a two-year-old child. Do you want to share his name with us? Inon Leishman, he was a history teacher, um, and I think um, an intellectual and managed to convey that to the kids. Um, so the little bit that my kids shared that they spoke about him was clear that the teachers respected him very much. The, um, the, the quote I got was that he was a relatively new teacher at the school, and um, the the, the um, more experienced and older teacher who was accompanying him said, every time I worked with him, I learned something. Mm-hmm. So he was that kind of a person. Gentle. I, I, I think mainly I'm thinking all these gentle young men 
at war, knows what's expected of them and what will happen to their soul, worrying. So that's one one piece. When you say it, it sends ripples through the community, maybe you can give us some picture of what that feels like or how it manifests for the rest of the community to deal with a loss of a teacher. I know in particular, I, you know, I have questions here that I was thinking to ask you that sound like, what is it like to be a teacher right now? Um, and so I'm sort of sitting with the reflection of the fact that teachers should be teachers and not soldiers, um, you know, when the world is as it should be. So I sort of just as a as we are teachers want to like lift that up that this um, person should have been able to be a teacher in that moment and not a soldier. But um, but I'm interested to hear from you about how does that impact a community if you can give us just, you know, a story or or a picture. First of all, I appreciate your saying that. You're giving an echo, you know, to when, when I say these gentlemen, I'm thinking of them on the battlefield. I think you're right. The reflection of that is they should be teaching my boys to grow up and be gentlemen and gentlemen and not... Um, and not what will give you maybe the picture. So both my sons, who are one at the beginning of high school and one at the end of high school, have their main teacher in Miloim, in, in uh, reserve duty. So they're both missing their main teacher right now. They're both missing their main teacher, their anchor, the person who accompanies their whole life at school the person who davens with them, who prays with them most morning, the person who works with them on being people, not only, not just an issue of knowledge. Um, and the schools are doing an incredible job overcoming. In one of the my boys' school, I think 20% of the teachers are on reserve duty and another 10% have spouses on them. So they're really doing an incredible job. Um, but at 10.30, my son, after they spent the morning mourning the teacher and they were going to go back to class, my kid called me and said, I can't go back. I want to come home. And uh, and if you want a continuation of the picture, I was actually um, at the yeshiva, one space, our office in yeshiva state. As, at Hadar's yeshiva. At Hadar's yeshiva, yeah. Um, we don't, we, we, it wasn't a moment where there were students around, um, but there were quite a few faculty members and almost everyone knew him more closely, less closely. It was, uh, it was a day where we were very down the atmosphere in the office was very heavy, very hard to focus and to concentrate. And to add, just cause you're asking about life around two, relatively early. I went out again. I had invited a family, actually, whose father was uh, was killed on Shabbat a month ago for supper. So I went to the store. There was a siren, and and in Jerusalem we get it very seldom. Mm-hmm. In Tel Aviv, they get it almost every day. Here, we say we get it once a week, hoping that we won't get it on Shabbat. But it's. Uh, I was in the store, I was about to pay, and then I heard the siren, and I went, it was a bit silly, I went behind the counter, 
kind of hide behind the counters because there's a glass wall there. And really, in a very gentle way, the man that was selling looked at me and he said, we can, you know, we can stay here if you want, but usually there's a safer space. And he kind of took me mm-hmm. actually to the hallway, which is considered safer, but but it was um, surreal. And um, yes, I'm in the same place as last week. If I had a bit more energy, I'd be angry that this is how we're living. Life has this, it's half normal. The kids wake up, they go to school, go to work, we teach Torah, we write Israel Torah, we daven the bathroom. It had this undertone all the time. The streets at night are empty. School is much shorter than usual because there aren't enough safe spaces. And Nasirallah is giving a speech at three o'clock today. Who is? And Nasirallah, Hezbollah's leader. Mm-hmm. And um, and I asked myself if there'll be a siren at three because they, they like making a show um, when they're speaking. I asked myself if we would be interrupted or not when we're recording. It's it, um, yeah. So that's life this week. I'm so sorry. You know, I don't want to. It's. I feel like I should say thank you so much for sharing, but really, it's like it's so. So many elements of what you're saying are just wrong and not how it should be. You know, I, I'm not sure a podcast with me should focus on on politics, not my expertise. I do want to say it's not a way to live anyone, anyone being touched right now by this situation. I did feel this week for different reasons that I was able to feel a drop of hope Hope and also maybe um, an ability to move from passive to active. I'll tell you the thought which which helped me. I, I was talking to a friend of mine, actually at the school. He's a teacher at the school. Okay, and you walk into the school, and there's a picture of Yinon of this teacher who mm-hmm. was killed, and and a table with some memories of him. Okay, and kind of three doors down the hall is where my friend teaches. His name is Drory Yoshua. He's a person I've lost. I, I've learned a lot about Fila from your friend. We've yes, we used to teach together, and um, and he's a person. He can sometimes say Shacharit three times. He's because mm-hmm. he went to this minion and that minion and this minion, and then there's also his students, so he davened also with them. So he's he's a davener. He's a person who deals with Fila, and just to you know, to, just so you understand. Bemet, what a, what a crazy environment we live in. His father was killed in Yom Kippur. He must have been, he's just, he's a couple of years older than me. He must have been two or three. And his son is now in Aza. Hey. Um, so very, very, very hard. And he's there with, it's a boy's high school, okay? So there's this, you know, wild array of sweet boys. It was a little bit deeper into the week already. And we slipped into a conversation about tefillah. And he basically said to me, for me, tefillah is about not accepting reality as it is. And I I feel like that is a thought that that, that helps me at the moment. Um, I think turning to God to save us doesn't do it for me. I I I think I need 
a partner. I think we need to change. But but to define tefillah as the moment in which we express our expectation that reality should be different and can be different, right? Both. Um, at the moment, I feel, open the gates of tefillah for me. I'll share one more thought. There's a poem by Chernichovsky, Tzachki Sachki. And the poem, the, the one line that is very well known and strong there is, Gam ki a'amin ba'adam. And th- that I will continue believing in people. Mm-hmm. Um, and now to use the word believing about people is a little bit khatrani. How do you say khatrani? It's subversive. It's subversive, exactly. Khatrani, subversive. And saying that one will believe in a person, in people, has in it also an element of a bit of revolt in God. And this song, I think, is... Well, it's perceived as a very secular song. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's this, people the, as opposed the, to God. I I think that that is the tone in which it was written. It was often understood. Um, okay, ki ba'adam amin. I will believe in people. Ki odeni mamin bach. Okay, I and ki od amin gam ba'adam. Right, it repeats itself again and again. I will believe in people. I will believe in 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 mankind and humanity. Whatever it is. In one of the conversations about what to do in shul, there was a suggestion to use the tune of this poem, which is a very well-known classic Israeli tune, for one of the Mizmore Tehilim, we want to say. And I smiled to myself, um, um, and, I, and I, I guess I identify with that mixture. We, we are at a moment where... For me, the only hope is the combination. The combination of relying on God and relying on people? The combination of relying on God and relying on people. And I think one of our biggest challenges is imagining that people have a choice and can choose differently. Mm -hmm. It's hard for us to imagine it about our enemies right now. And it makes it hard for us to imagine that we have an option of how to act differently right now. It resonates very deeply with me personally, this this sort of presentation of the idea of prayer as holding God accountable. And then I hear you also saying, holding ourselves accountable, right? Is like if prayer is the moment of saying to God, this this has to change. And then also saying to ourselves, this has to change. Right. I might be one step back. Again, I feel like I'm too tired to be angry. It's interesting. Um, so I'm I'm just at the place where it's a moment to express I have a drop of faith that it could be different. Mm-hmm. In other words, right, it, it's a difference between the should and the could. It can of course change. It's sh- yeah, that, that that's where the hope is that 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 um part of what's hard here right now is that there's more and more a feeling that this is going to take a very long time. And so they're setting up systems for us to live like this for a while. Mm-hmm. And that one can find comfort in it, but I think the reality is so difficult that it's not really comforting. It's disheartening. Yeah. 
it's disheartening, it's scary, it's depressing. Um, it's also confusing. Um, what what does that mean exactly to be in a state of emergency for a long time? It's yeah, it's something actually. Um, I was asking our colleagues here at Hadar. Oh, I'm going to have a conversation with Avital. What should I? What should I ask her? What do you want to hear? Um, and someone in particular said, how are they balancing the grieving over the significant losses that have already happened while also holding what's ongoing, which sounds a little bit like what you're describing to me, actually. One second, since it's my soldier. I, he's home for Shabbat after a month. Wow, I'm so glad and what's, to hear that. Mamash, and what's he looking for? He has to, his hair is too long. <laughs> he has to cut his hair. He's looking for the shaver. Okay. It's interesting. Last week when we recorded, there was a moment where we said, oh, hope, where does it come from? It comes from your youngest entering the room. But, um, you know, to to have your, your soldier calling is also really... yeah. It's like, what could happen in this moment that could make me smile? But Mamash. to close us out, um, we are recording on a Friday afternoon and, and Chavez is coming for you. Um, if you can just share with us some word of Torah, some piece of Torah, some idea that you're holding on to right now. Um, and then we will say to be continued and we will have more time to speak next week. I don't know if it's because of the parashot we've come upon the Mabul, um, the, the flood, and now Akedat Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac. But I have been dreading these these parashot instead of looking forward to them. And to be honest, I think the initial straightforward reason I was dreading it is because for a second I was wondering if we are all Avraham. And I was angry because I'm used to being angry with Avraham. Angry with Avraham for obeying automatically and the amount of price he paid. Yesterday, we, we did some learning in the Vet Midrash and they brought a poem and the poem ends with the words, I'm, I'm full of sorrow for the mother who will cry and weep. The binder, the one who is bound, and the altar. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in the story of Akedat Yitzchak, everyone pays a price. The person being bound pays a price who is being sacrificed, or whether it's a person or an idea, or whatever it is, even if at the end God says, no, 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 don't sacrifice that, or don't sacrifice this person, the trauma is there. Somebody quoted yesterday, I think Chaim Guri, who's a poet, um, who says, We're born with the knife in our heart. In other words, the experience is there. Of course, the relationship with whatever is requiring that sacrifice is also put in jeopardy. I have a hard time with a God who demands of a father to sacrifice their child. And I imagine that in some realm that happened between Avraham and God as well. The person being bound pays a price. The idea, God, aspiration, hope, country, way of life, whatever it is, 
that you're sacrificing for also pays a price. Um, and of course you pay a price for imagining such a violent act. And then all those ignored around Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, other things that are important and that have life also pay a price. And, and I think, I think I said to myself yesterday, you can still be angry at Abraham when God says do and Abraham automatically does. That is a moment that I don't accept. I think Avraham is off in how he understands God. I don't have to accept the price silently. Maybe almost the opposite. I'm expected to learn from Sdom. In other words, I can go back to my old morals of pre-war, maybe even more fervently. I don't have to neglect them at this moment. I always take with me to dinner on uh, the Akedah some Midrashim about Sarah. And I think I've said this, that it's very hard for me to be the home front, the Orif. I, it's not a role I like. Yeah. Um, but I think there's power in Sarah's stance. She sees things that Abraham doesn't. Um, and maybe I have to learn from her. That stance, that voice, that power, that ability to see, that insistence on seeing, and to hold that strong also. Avital, thank you so much. I've been feeling that same dread for this Parsha, and I feel so grateful for your interpretation is, mm. for me personally, exactly what I think I needed to hear right now. So thank you. Thank you. May it be a quiet Shabbat. Amen. And we'll speak next week. Thank you. Thank you to Effie Unterman for producing this podcast and to David Chabinski for recording and editing this episode on an extremely short timeline. Mm-hmm.